Broken streams and broken stream, right, Dan? Won't be the last time, huh? Won't be the last time. So, good. Um, hey, uh, our kids can go ahead and be dismissed uh, to be with our team in transformation, uh, excuse me, Redemption Kids. See, there's another, whoop. Uh, we used to call it Transformation State. Now it's Redemption Kids. So, kids, have a, have a blast downstairs. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Psalms. It'll be Psalm 148 today. Uh, so if you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page 526. And uh, before we get into God's Word this morning, just wanted to invite us to pray and reflect just for a moment. Um, it has been, I think, uh, for, for, for most of us as we've absorbed some of the news this week, it's been a bit of a tumultuous week, right? Um, you have the uh, kind of sparring of words with uh, our president and North Korea. Uh, so that, that can be unsettling. And then uh, what, what in some respects hits closer to home is what's happening in Charlottesville um, with a group of white supremacists who uh, stormed into the city in protest and uh, thankfully some counter-protesters to, to try to peacefully demonstrate uh, against that uh, asinine hatred uh, from, from that group of people. Um, so I think we should just pray, we should pray. Uh, that God would uh, work in the midst of all of this, and he would turn our attention to him, and that uh, we would navigate all of the issues in our lives and in society uh, with a view toward him and uh, who he is. So let's pray together. Uh, God, we are grateful to come into this place as a community of people who need you, and we need one another. So God, as we are confronted with a broken world that we live in, God, would you help us to process what we hear and what we see and even how we respond, God, in light of who you are? Just as you are holy, you're perfect, you're, there's no one like you, God, you call us to, to think like you think and to live like you lived in the Son, uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, and to love as, as you love. And so, God, part of that is to, to hate what is wicked and to love what is good. And so, Father, we pray for peace in our world. We pray that sober-mindedness would prevail amongst world leaders and that we could work toward harmonious relationships even with those who may currently be considered enemies. And Father, we certainly pray this for our fellow citizens. God, some that we certainly do not understand. Some that harbor such hatred in their hearts for people who they cannot see are just like them, who have dignity and value and worth. God, perhaps we should ask you to forgive us when in ways, however small, however minute they seem to us, where 
we would elevate ourselves over another person for any reason, but especially because of the color of one's skin. God, forgive us. Forgive those people in Charlottesville who need a greater light and who need to find a better way. Lord, may the the love and the resolve of, of people, even those who are under attack verbally or physically, God, we pray that a resolve to love and to forgive and to do good would conquer the hate that we experience in this world. And God, we pray that as we open your good book, that you would speak to us right where we are, and that we wouldn't be surprised when every word is relevant to our lives, and that we can see truths that are so relevant to our situation, our circumstances, what's happening in our personal lives, our work lives, our neighborhoods, our city, our nation, and our world from what you have revealed about yourself. So God, give us, give us ears to hear from you. Give us eyes to see what is true and good and beautiful. And God, help us to respond appropriately. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I wanted to take a minute to, to touch on those subjects, but uh, I'd like to shift gears and, and, and lift our spirits a bit by talking about something a little more joyful, okay? So um, one of the greatest challenges and greatest joys that parents are able to experience, I think, is the joy of naming a child. Now, in 2008, Marcia and I had this privilege for the first time. We had a daughter on the way, and so we endured, I mean, enjoyed uh, hours of, of countless, you know, countless hours of conversations about what we wanted her name to be. Now, uh, for those of you that have walked down this road, you know that there are so many questions that swirl that might help you determine what you wish your child's name to be, right? So uh, there are questions like, are there any names in our family that we would like to honor and maybe the first or the middle name of this child? So for example, my name, uh, many of you don't know this, my name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of the pastors here, by the way, thank you. Um, but, but my middle name is Gordon, all right? Tanner Gordon Turley, all right? Hey, don't hate, that's a cool name, all right? But That middle name is my mom's maiden name as a way to honor her side of the family. In fact, it's even more special because um, my my mom and her sister had a brother uh, who had Down syndrome. So there was obviously no really hope of of him uh, having a family. And so to pass that name on one more generation was 
part of my parents' decision. So is there a name that you want to honor? Is there a name that you just like? You know what I'm saying? You just, man, I like that name. That's a cool name. I want to name my child that name. Maybe there's a name you don't like and you want to stay away from. You know, maybe there's a, a name that is associated with something that you love, something that's honorable, right? Um, and then perhaps maybe there's a name that is associated with, you know, uh, just bad memories, you know what I'm saying? Or just something that's not, you know, uh, very honorable in society. You know, I'm talking about notorious criminals. I'm talking about ex-girlfriends and boyfriends, you know what I'm saying? Um, so um, there's just all of these questions. Like, when are we going to name the child? Are we going to wait until we see them before we name them? Because once we see them, then we want to name them something else. When we decide their name, when are we going to reveal the name? And when we reveal the name, are our parents going to like the name? You know, like, that's a concern. Like, you know, you know, have fun with that. And, uh, and then, you know, more important, like, will this child like their name one day? Is there any way that their name can be turned into nicknames that would be, you know, kind of make them suffer through elementary school and middle school? You know, just all of these questions swirl when it comes to naming a child. Parents, can I get, you know, like, anybody been there, done that, understand what I'm talking about. Thank you. So, so we needed some help. You know, in 2008, we needed some help. And so we did the only thing we knew to do, all right? We didn't call our spiritual counselors or pastors or anything like that. All right, we went to Barnes & Noble, all right? So uh, we went to Barnes & Noble, and we uh, went in, walked up, you know, walked up the escalator. I guess we rode up the escalator. And we went to the, the, the children and family section where they have these amazing books like one called the Baby Name Bible, okay? The Baby Name Bible. Now, uh, as someone that was preparing to be a pastor, I almost felt a little blasphemous, you know, picking that up. I'm like, you know, there's only one Bible. This is true. You're going to call the Baby Name Book the Bible, you know? Um, but I got over that quick, right? Um, so picked up this book, and this book was amazing, right? It gives over 50,000 different names and all kinds of facts about these names, you know, like which names are trending up in popularity, which names are trending down, what are variations of popular names, which names have uh, stars named their, uh, their, their babies, right? So there's like star baby lists for every letter of the alphabet, A through Z, right? Like if you want to know what Angelina Jolie named her baby, you know, it's right there in the book. Um, so just all kinds of different, you know, facts that you can find in that book, as well as the meaning, the origin, the ethnic origin of names, just an amazing resource to look through for, of course, hours and hours, 50,000 hours and hours and hours. And so after that, you start to, right, build your list. You know, like, hey, this is an option, boom, boom, boom. And what happens is you start to make your list. You go back and edit your list. You talk about your list with your spouse. You compare list together. You maybe wad your list up and throw it away. Um, it is really just an unbelievable, enjoyable experience, right, to name a child. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that the name a parent chooses for their child, the hope is that it carries a significance to them, even if it's just as simple as we really like that name. I mean, Tanner is a pretty uncommon name. It was especially uncommon 36 years ago. And my parents had some friends who had a son named Tanner, and they liked the name. They thought it was unique, and they said, hey, we're naming our kid Tanner. That's how I got my name. And so the, the point is that we want it to be special to us and special to them because a name identifies someone and makes them 
distinguished from someone else. And so as we dive into God's word today, we're going to find that this psalm is all about the identifiable and distinguished name of God, the true and greater name. And as we read this psalm, you're going to find that it's a summons for us to praise God, but specifically to praise the name of God. And he gives reasons for us to engage in this opportunity. So what I want to do is read these verses for us. I'm going to invite you to listen along, follow along in your copy of God's Word, whether you have the book open, you have it on your app. And uh, let's, let's hear, let's hear this summons to praise the name of our great God. Here we go. It says this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Now, you don't have to be a scholar, okay? You don't have to be a biblical scholar to quickly discern the theme of this song. Am I right? Like just, just kind of going out on a limb there. If it's the first line, the last line, and touches every line, there you have the theme, people, okay? So just, that's confidence builder, right? When you open your Bible this week, you can, you can read it for yourselves. You can, you can understand what it's saying, all right? So, so this, this summons to pervasive and perpetual praise of God. This is what we are invited into We are called to elevate God's name through our praise. Now, what's happening here is there is a cosmic vision for the whole world, right? That all of the heavens in verses 1 through 4 would praise the name of the Lord. So we work through it and we see angels and hosts, right? The angelic beings who serve God and do his bidding, they are to praise the name of the Lord. The sun, moon, and shining stars, they are to praise the Lord. The highest heavens and the waters above the heavens, right? The, the rain that falls, like all of it is to praise the name of the Lord. But then it moves into the earthly realm. 
in verses 7 through 12. And so there's this echo that earth is to give heaven in praising the name of the Lord. And so then we see all sea creatures, all meteorological elements, fire, referring to lightning, hail, snow, mist, wind, mountains, hills, trees, every creature in the animal kingdom, and every person on the planet, kings and all peoples, young men, maidens, old men, young children. That's all people. That includes us, okay? We are all invited to get in on this opportunity to praise the Lord. And so I would just say, in, in light of this, this is, this is a song that spends the majority of the time reflecting on God's created world. We are part of that, right? But, but there, is, there is a lot of God's creation that holds immense beauty because it was made by the first and greatest artist, God himself, right? So I would just encourage you, like, spend some time outside. Spend some time outdoors. Go for a walk. I mean, yesterday I went to the uh, Mystic River Reservation and just, you know, thinking about these words and starting to, to just look at trees differently. You know, it's like, by the way, I told Marsha a few weeks ago, um, this is really strange for me. This is like a confession moment, all right? Um, I'm starting to enjoy looking at trees, this is really strange to me. Like, I must be getting old or something. I don't, like, but I'm noticing just how, forgive me, all right, majestic a tree can be. You know what I'm saying? Just like how huge and how vast and all of the brand. Like, could you just stand under a tree and look, look up? I mean, it's, it's art. It's beautiful. It's God's creation. You can think I'm weird. It's cool. I don't care. Here's the point. Every, everything our eye can see, every inch of existence is made to reflect the artistry of God, the creation of God, the goodness of God in his creation. And so it is a summons to praise him, to acknowledge his greatness in all of creation. I can remember being in seminary, okay? Seminary is school for would be pastors, all right? And I can remember this one student in one class uh, kind of took a shot at, okay, this happens in seminary because everybody wants to be right, all right? So they're like different theological camps. And so this one guy who was in a different camp from, you know, me and some of my other friends uh, said, you know, those, that, that group of, of theologians, that group of people that think that everything is so much about God's glory, all right, like praising God that, you know, like Every blade of grass should be praising him. Wow. Can I take you outside in the hall and beat you over the head with Psalm 148? You know what I'm saying? Like, like did you just breathe? Yo, that breath was for God. You know, like, did you, like, if your heart keeps beating another minute, all 85 beats are for God. Just like every grain of sand and every blade of grass. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, why do we, why do we praise God? 
I think, you know, it's, it could be a startling assertion to hear that every piece, even microscopic piece, I mean, talking about like protons, neutrons, and electrons. For you scientists, quarks. Did I get that right, scientists? Like quarks? Huh? I had to look that up. Man, I didn't even know those things exist. They didn't teach me that in elementary school. Uh, that's my extent of my scientific education, so whatever. Um, like every particle for him, like that, that may surprise you, but it may also actually repulse you just a little bit. You say, what are you talking about, Tanner? Why, I think if I were not a believer in this God of the Bible, I might ask the question, well, isn't it a little egocentric of God to demand that people praise him in such a comprehensive fashion, like that, that everything in their life ultimately should revolve around the praise of God? There was a man named C.S. Lewis who was an atheist and then became a theist and then became a Christian who reflected on this in his book, The Reflections on the Psalms. And this is what, listen carefully to what he said. He had this thought of God, that God must be a megalomaniac, right? Like an egotistical, just maniacal kind of, you know, crazy entity if, if he demanded and summoned us to praise him. And so this is, what, this is what he said, though. He said this. He changed his mind when he realized that the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped him. He says, I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought into check, all right? Then he goes on to say this, the world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite games. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamp, rare beetles. It was weird too, you know. Even sometimes politicians or scholars. Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. And then he finishes up by saying this, my whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards to the supremely valuable what we delight to do, indeed what we can't help but doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment 
it is its appointed consummation. You feel, you feel all that? You love a good meal? You love your spouse? You love a beautiful sunset? You're going to talk about that. You're going to laud its attributes. You're going to get others to join you in affirming and adoring that which you perceive to be valuable. And so Lewis is saying, if this is how God has made us, right? This is what we can't help but doing about everything else. Then if God is supremely valuable, then the most, lo- check this, the most loving thing God could do, the most generous thing God could do, in fact, the most self-giving, not selfish, but the self-giving thing God could do would be to invite us into praising him because it's in our praise of the supremely valuable that we find supreme joy in our lives. So I'm in. I'm in. I hope you're in. There are other reasons that that the psalmist invites us to praise. We have this, like, you see the structure of the psalm, right? Like, one through four, heaven, and then five and six are reasons, right? Like, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, right? Uh, he gave a decree and it established forever, it won't pass away. So, in other words, all of creation should praise God because God made them and God sustains them. That's why we should praise. That's why all of creation should praise. That, that includes us, by the way. He made us, He made us, He made you. And then in verse 13, after this, this earthly realm is called to praise God, then there are more reasons. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. There's no one higher than God. There's nothing higher than God. And so we praise God. Like A lot of times in the church, this is, may not make sense to you if you're not kind of familiar with the church, church thing. And if you're not, we're thankful you're here. You're, you're welcomed in this place, right, to explore who God is with us. But, 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 but. Those of us in church often think about praise as just being songs. Like we sing praise songs, right? And this, this is a song, right? This is wholly appropriate. We should sing praise to God, but God is calling us to praise him with our entire lives. Every word, every thought, every action, every deed. He alone is exalted, so we want to live lives that reflect that. And then, and then verse 14 is essentially saying, uh, God cares for us. <laughs> like this God who made everything. Like go study the stars and feel really small and then consider that the God who made that star cares for you. And he wants to know you personally. He wants to know you, dare we say, Intimately. We can know him through faith, faith in Christ. And he strengthens us. It's not that he invites us in and says, like, hey, come on, journey with me. But he then gives us strength for everything we need for every day of our lives. This is, I think what is referring to, he's raised up a horn for his people. Okay, horns were uh, the strength of the animal in battle. And so God has raised up a horn. He's raised up praise for us to be strengthened in him. So this is all why we praise God. That we were made for this. And surely if he made us, like we, we should pay attention to who he is and, and lift up 
the greatness of his, of his name. And, and, that's, and that's what the focus is here, right? I mean, verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord. And so when we're talking about God's name, we're talking about his reputation and his character. Okay, like who God is. When God introduces himself, when he gives us his name, he is revealing who he is. So we talked about this a few weeks ago. I'm no artist. Somebody thought I was going to draw today. God is the artist. I have creative capacity because I'm made in his image, but I create more with like words and phrases, not pictures. So I'm not drawing, sorry. Um, But I can write. And so this is God's name. God had a conversation with a man named Moses who was going to lead God's people out of slavery and oppression in Egypt. And Moses was really scared and fearful of what that would mean. And so he didn't think people would listen to him, much less Pharaoh, the the king of Egypt. And and so Moses says, well, if I go back and say, hey, God told me to represent you and lead you out of Egypt, then who am I to tell you? Who am I, what, what should I tell them about you? Who, like, who are you? What is your name? And so God responds and he says, Yahweh. And this word Yahweh, this name means I am. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And this is a mind-blowing name. Like God is so God. Uh, speaking of phrases, I couldn't put that together. But like God is so full of Godness. I like like so so He's so wise. He's so like, to capture who He is. In other words, I am the self-existent one. I had no beginning, I will have no end, I am independent, I am absolute, nothing exists that I would be dependent on. And so this this word, Yahweh, this name was so sacred to ancient Jews that they would not even speak the word. And when they would write it, they took out the, the vowels, right, and just Yahweh, this is... God's memorial name. And as we think about praising the name of God, there's just one simple encouragement I'd like to give us this morning. And I was thinking about this week. I was, I was convicted about this this week because, you see, Jesus, Jesus taught the people who were following him how to pray. And a lot of times we don't, like, we don't let that influence the way we pray throughout our week, Right? So he says, like, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So so in other words, like, may we treat your name as unique, set apart, perfect, holy. Unlike any other name that 
is we revere and adore your name. And by the way, just if you want to think about the Lord's Prayer, um, you get the first request, right? You get the, like the, the following five just makes sense. Like it, it kind of has a, a three, kind of three structure because it's like, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And all of those are focused on spiritual realities about the work of God and the character of God. And then it's just very practical, which I love about Christianity, right? It's like, give us our daily bread and uh, for, forgive us uh, our trespasses. We forgive those who, f- so human relationships and lead us not into temptation, that, that moral piece of our lives that, that is, is not only discerning right from wrong, but practicing right from wrong. And so it has a 3-3 structure, but it really has a 1-5. Like, hallow be like, if you hallow God's name, you're going to be chasing after his kingdom to come, and you're going to want his will to be done, and you're going to trust him for your daily needs. You're going to forgive those who sin against you, and you're going to really pursue Christ's likeness. And so to pray this sincerely will lead us to elevate the name of God in our praise. And then number two, the kind of the flip side of this is, 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 is this. Cease the futile effort of elevating your name. So think about all the names in our world. Just billions and billions of names are all dependent and contingent on the reality of God because God is the one who made us and created us to know him and to love him and to, yes, praise him. And so let me just get some volunteers. I just want to write some names up here. Right? I'm not going to ask you to come on stage, so don't be like, raise your hand and I'm going to write your name down. Anybody? All right. That's Janelle right there. So. That's about it right. Who else? All right. All right. Who else? I got, got Joe. got Chase. Thank you very much. All right, anybody else? All right, my guy, Aubrey back there, out-of-town visitor. Love it when you're here in the summer. All right, so, um, so there you are. <laughs> this is your microscopic name. And I wrote it. You probably can't read it from that distance. But, but, but this, is, this is the picture, right? Like, in comparison, like this is a comparison. In comparison to who God is, this is who we are. And all names fall under his name. But, but, wait, but wait, like, like, is there something in your heart that kind of feels like robbed? Like, like, my name should be written bigger? Don't feel devalued by this, right? Because the wonder of it all is that we're even on the page at all. But, 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 but this, is, this is the problem, okay? This is our problem, all of us deep down, we all want our name to go from microscopic three-point font to 10 or 12 
15, 16, 25, 30. Like, there's no, there's no end game to that, right? We all want to be recognized. We all want to be seen for our achievements, which in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But the problem is with our hearts is that we want to be recognized for our achievements as if our achievements came solely from us and not as gifts from God that gave us the very abilities to do what we do. And so this picture would be all well and good if we were content with this, but what happens is we want our name to be greater than other people's names, and we live our lives kind of trying to one-up the other person to be, in our minds, more significant than them. That's evil. (laughs) But what is more evil is that we want to build towers and for our name to ascend above the name of God. This has always been the plight of humanity. The the story of Babel Babel in the uh, Old Testament, Genesis 11, uh, says this, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, okay, listen to this, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole, the face of the whole earth. Their microscopic names wanted to ascend above the name of God. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm in God's shoes, I'm probably just going to wipe them off the page. Or if, if, if I didn't do that, I would push their name down so far that they would never wish to ascend again. But this is not what God does. When we try to have our names ascend above his name, rather than pushing us down, God descends down to us in the person of Jesus Christ so that we could see exactly who God is and what he is like. And Jesus, this descended eternal son of God, lives a perfect life, dies a cruel death. For all of the times that we ascended above one another and even tried to usurp God's rightful place, And so now through his forgiveness and his love and his mercy and grace distributed at his cross, we can, check this out, have his name. He changes our name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be changed, will be transformed. And there is no other name given under heaven among 
which we must be saved. And so I'm just saying, like, because of that, because God has invited us into the story and he enables us to be changed and I live for his name, to elevate his name. I'm just saying I want in on Philippians 2, 9 through 11, right? Therefore, at the name, God, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is about every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so I would just ask you, have you, have you bowed your knee before Jesus? Like, have you said, Jesus has the true and greater name? His name is above every name, and he is the one who is God alone, and yet he wants to know me, and he has invited me in to his story so that now I can live a transformed life and elevate this greatest name. And oh, when I do that, find the greatest joy that the world has ever known. Well, when you do, you experience the results of praising God's name. And I've kind of got long-winded in a couple spots, so I'm going to speed up through these six results. Okay, so just buckle your seatbelts. Here we go, right? What are the results? These aren't exhaustive, okay? These are just six that came to mind as I was thinking about this, this text and this reality, okay? When we elevate God's name, what happens is we begin to grow closer and closer to God. Like when we delight in him, when we see him for who he is, then we just draw closer and closer and our relationship goes deeper and deeper and deeper with him. Number two, it's not just closeness, but it's character, okay? That thing that's kind of going out of style in our society. Uh, And this is how it works. One follows the other, okay? When we worship God, okay, we are looking to him and we are beholding who he is. And what the Bible says, this is true, if you're worshiping God or worshiping money or worshiping sex or worshiping anything, you become like what you behold. Like you just, it starts to change you. It starts to dominate you. You start to, 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 to think and to desire like what characterizes that which you worship. And so, so this, is, this is how it works, okay? I love this. Uh, the more you look at him, the more you will like what you see. And the more that you like what you see, the more you will like to be like him, Some of you didn't catch that, but the more you look at him, the more you're going to like what you see in him, his holiness, his beauty, his perfection, his goodness, and the more that you like what you see, the more that you're going to want to be like that. Closeness, character, here's one, these two go together too, security. Okay, like security doesn't come from the absence of being out of the range of nuclear weapons. I mean, there is a there would be a measure of security, and nobody in the world really enjoys that now. But, but, but the greatest security, the internal security, comes from knowing that you belong to God, that your identity is in him. So like, the, like beyond Marcia, the, the two people that have my back the most in life are my parents. If I need anything, I'm going to Curtis and Brenda Turley. Why? Because I bear their name. I'm their kid. Still their kid. Like, and this is true in an even greater way with God. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. We belong. Everything that is his belongs to us. And so when we have that kind of security, you know what it does? 
It changes all of this. It changes every friendship. Because when I'm seeking to elevate this name, then I am happy when other names are elevated, when other people are recognized. I can rejoice in the achievements of other people. I don't feel less than because God has already said everything about me that I could ever dream of, that I am loved, that I am accepted, that I am approved. And so really, as you, as you process the news this week that we prayed for at the beginning of this sermon, white supremacists are among the most insecure people on the planet. They're they're grabbing for power, hating others in these asinine ways because they're not confident in who they are. They feel like they lack something. They're insecure, right? But, but when we elevate God's name, we get closeness and character and security and friendship and perspective. Like when we see him for who he is, then we'll see ourselves as we are. John Calvin said, man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself until he is first looked upon God's face and then descends from contemplating him to scrutinizing himself. And so this perspective brings a humility. And here is the, like, you aren't ready for this, all right? You are not ready. Like, this, is, this is the end of the sermon. Okay? Um, when we have this perspective, then we also see that God changes our place. For whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But whoever exalts himself will be humbled by God. When you humble yourself before God, God loves that. And he says, I have you taken care of. I am bringing you up with me. And you will enjoy me forever. And you will display all of the goodness that I made you to to display forever. And so today... Would you decide to live for the praise of God's name? When you do, you're going to experience closeness and a transformed character and a security like you've never known that's going to change your friendships and it's going to give you a totally different perspective on your life and then it's going to bring you to a better place. And that place is the place where we enjoy God. And we enjoy the world that he's made in a way like never before. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes if you would. Normally I pray to end our time, but I'm not going to do that. I want to invite you to pray. And so as Dan and our team come out, just spend a moment. And this is, I just want you to pray in two ways, okay? Number one, just, just begin, if you would, just begin by meditating on the greatness of God's name. He alone is exalted. He alone is worthy of our praise. 
And then as you think on the greatness of God's name, would you just ask him, would you ask him to give you a greater passion for his name, a greater resolve to live for his name day by day by day? Would you cry to God as we continue to worship?